Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash cultural stew. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Cultural Stew Podcast, coming to you from the Goat Factory Media Entertainment Studios. We are your cultural media recommendation podcast, giving you our take on what we think is worth carving your time out for, and also what we think you can pass on and maybe go cut that lawn instead. Warning, we use adult language, and there may be spoilers ahead. Hello and welcome to... Episode 13 for the week of May 27th. My name is Ron Herkins Jr. and I am here with my co-hosts. Tony Carter. And Valerie Vidmar. Hello gang, how is everybody? Hot. Ha, see I didn't do hey you guys. We're a gang now. We're a gang? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Not so very scary gang. (laughs) It's warm in here but I'm okay. Yeah. I think we're all a little beat up a bit. I, I think you've got props for being the worst mm. out of all of us. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting there, though. We've I've been recuperating pretty well, but yeah, I have my. It was a it was a success, uh, as far as I'm concerned. I'm probably doing too much. I, um, for those that you don't know, I had um, bilateral. Um, mastectomy uh on the 14th may 14th is that right yeah and um because i have some dcis and they couldn't tell whether any of it was going to be uh invasive or not so i just found out that four millimeters of it was invasive cancer which would have eventually hit my lymph nodes and gone wherever so i did the right thing um, I, it's been okay. It's, it's surreal. I feel like a mannequin, <laughs> um, but it hasn't, it's an up and down thing, but I got lucky. So, um, actually there, I was telling my dad that there are, um, the 11% of the new diagnosis of women, uh, with breast cancer are between, the ages of 40 and 45. So just 11%. Um, I am one of those 11. So um, I just want to point out to everyone that get in there and get your mammograms because mine saved my life. You just never know. And I went to Elizabeth Wendy and they treated me. It was a fantastic experience. So uh, get in there. Men get breast cancer too, as well. So, well, we are shocked and delighted that you are here. You know, two weeks after our last show, and you're right back in here with us. I have so. tubes. I, I have two tubes left. I won't show you. Um, but yeah, it's I, I. I feel okay. I was happy to get back and feel like a person again. Nice. So, well. other than that, when you're a complete. Control freak, turning everything over to your parents to deal with uh, and clean and take care of your kids. And, and I'm spoiled now. 
like my dad has done the lunches and taken them, taken the girls to school and brought them home. And and you got the chauffeur service to hear. Oh, today. yes. And I don't have to drive and I, the laundry, and I don't have to get to pick up anything heavy. I mean, it's pretty rocking. How long does this last? Um, I probably, um, uh, probably get to drive in like maybe two weeks mm. and then other stuff going on for the next few months, but all in all, we're good. How about you, Anthony? What have you been up to? Well, I just caught Streamplay's production of Hamlet. Uh, no offense, guys, but I've seen 20 Hamlets in the last five years. Like a lot of Hamlets out there in Rochester. So I think we should have a stop and desist. <laughs> Moratorium on Hamlet. Yeah, it's just my uh, friend uh, MJ is in the show. She played the title character. Uh, very good Hamlet. They did it differently. They had it where Horatio was reading Hamlet's journal. So they had it like everything that was happening was what Hamlet wrote down. And Horatio was also a great performance, by the way. Actually was recording, rereading everything. So it's like a flashback. So for me, that kind of worked. It wasn't straightforward. It was just like a journal reading. And we got to see inside more of his head. And it kind of framed, it worked that way for me. I was standing for about an hour and 45 minutes for act one. And that was grueling. I'm a videographer for theater per, theater productions in the area. So uh, I do a lot of taping of shows. I see a lot of free theater as a result. And thus, I see a lot of Hamlet. And this one, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just saying because my friends are in the show, but it really caught my attention. In a dynamic way, so. And where is it? Where this was, was it? at the Lyric Theater. Um, okay. It closes this afternoon, actually. So, but it's up for a long time. Streamplays is a theater company in Rochester that likes to do different works that are works from golden age of Hollywood. So, shows a lot of movies we had in the twenties and thirties were based on plays. So, they're bringing those plays back. A lot of radio dramas, I would say. That's cool. I have you ever been Lyric? No, it is. It's one of the most beautiful buildings in like the what it's got on the roof. Um, when you're saying it's closing, are you meaning closing? closing? The show um, closed. The show closed. Yeah, Hamlet is. Okay, it made it sound like kaput. the theater was no, closing. no. Sorry. They kind of a lot of things come through there, but um, they haven't. Their plan is to gut out. Right now, it's kind of set up like a, a church pews right. and how it would be set up for a church, and I can't wait for them to actually like get the money to actually gut that and turn it into a more of a the actual um, space actual space it's got the space it's got a huge space but it's just the architecture on the wall it's cool. like walking in the eastman theater it's just that classical architecture and it looks really cool i'll show you a picture later oh but, um and speaking of churches muck used to be a church too so yeah. a lot of churches are being renovated into theater spaces which is funny because theater originated in the church what is muck muck is the multi-use community Center, the acronyms. Yeah, it's off, it's off of uh, Atlantic. All close by. There's so much stuff here. That's there pretty is. cool. Lots of theater. Awesome. Anything else? Or Just, you know, I'm hoping I get a little downtime coming up soon because theater season is coming down. I have a show at JCC and Dogfight coming that I'll be doing, but... After ba- that. Babies incoming. I was going to say babies yeah. coming. Closer. Yeah. So I'll have some downtime, which would be great. And then I'll be picking up again probably in You're late summer. You're one of the few people that I've ever considered having a, a, a child as downtime. <laughs> well, I mean, I have DDC, the theater company I helped start you know, 18 years ago, is doing theater too. So 
four days after Sebastian is supposed to come, I'll be filming another show. So I'll have that quotation break, as Mario calls it. But wow. it's not really a break. But wow. yeah, I just keep going and going and going. So. Yes, you will too. Uh, uh, as for me, uh, just been on a photo kick lady lately, just did a wedding this morning, uh, took some promo photos for another local theater this week. Theater season is in full swing. Merry-go-round starts up next week. And, you know, as the good weather came around finally here in Rochester, like spring came really late. Mm-hmm. Now comes yard season. So I have to take care of a yard now. You. We, we are, we are hiring that out. Man. We we had it hired out last year, and it's just like we couldn't do it. waiting on other people to do something on their schedules is very oh my gosh because it's like oh the days that they could come it's nice and sunny and beautiful and then the days that they try to come oh sorry it was raining today we can't make it well this is cool the day that he's going to come to do our yard my friend Justin uh, Justin Hart actually he's a um, he's a personal trainer is he a heartthrob. He's a cutie pie. Anyway, he's a personal trainer in the area, and he comes. Um, I had to stop, obviously, training for a while, but he came over, and our garage has been uh, no car has been in our garage for quite some time. And we had that uh, construction in our kitchen, so everything went into the garage. It has been, yeah, scary. And Justin came over on a rainy day. I think it was rainy. Um, and completely cleaned and organized our entire garage in four hours. It was the most amazing thing. Wow. It's so awesome. I mean, your brain, I mean, that's a special, that's a special talent. Organization? Yeah. I mean, Jason's been trying to do it for weeks and it's just, it's, it's an overwhelming thing. So for him to be able to get that done. Awesome. Cool. Well, today's docket. Uh, go through a little bit of the news we care about and go through our recommendations of the week. Valerie's got book club. I have solo and Anthony has timeless timeless. The season finale of timeless and today's too. Um, not going to be much of an argument. We're, we're just going to be chatting about blockbusters and, uh, what a few of our favorites are and, um, kind of what we think about the past and, going into the future as to where these stand is making their impact upon the things that we watch. And uh, so up first, news we care about. What stuff we got going on this past couple weeks? Well, news just broke that President Obama and the First Lady, or the former First Lady, Michelle Obama, are going to be tied together with uh, a deal with oh, Netflix. Big deal. So it's big. They're going to be producing films and series for Netflix. And we don't know really what about yet. I don't really know yet. But it sounds promising that they're going to just get together and brainstorm and create content for us. So I'm excited. It is exciting. And I think this is the first, isn't it? Like the our first former POTUS doing something yeah. like this? I mean, there really wasn't this kind of service out there right. before. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if Netflix pitched them. I've been hearing rumors about this for six months or so that Obama was, they were trying to approach Obama to come up with a series or doing something. And it went from being a series to being like a bunch of things. Um, So it's going to kind of be their own little production studio per se. But (laughs) there's been some interesting political stuff 
that's or flashback from all this that's been going on lately. I'm gonna tell you how many like, oh, I'm quitting Netflix because now Obama's stoking the propaganda machine. It's like, what saying. There's machine. like there's two uh let's see the Netflix movie Barry. And then there's also Southside with you. Which I actually haven't seen, but my um friend loved it. I had a girlfriend loved it. Southside is kind of interesting. Barry, though, I think it's based on. I was gonna. I read a article, a couple articles about Barack Obama and his youth, about how he was lost and confused and trying to find out who he was and his identity. And I was reading those mostly because my daughter is biracial, and I coming across a lot of biracial children and young people who are saying they don't know who they are or don't know where they belong. So reading about Obama's struggle to find his identity, where he belonged, where he thought he should go was very telling for me, and I guess it kind of informed me with my son coming and my daughter when she's growing up, how I can talk to them about these issues because they're important, being about part of both worlds, as people say. But I thought Barry was very tame, I guess would say, compared to Southside. Southside was more funny and engaging, and it's, like, it's Michelle and Brock's first date is right. what it's about. So I thought that was more laid back and easygoing than Barry. Barry is more real and... I recommend both, but okay. Yeah. I haven't seen him yet. I'm going to though. Yeah, I haven't seen any. The only <laughs> thing I've seen that's contained Barack Obama in his youth was Legends of Tomorrow. Mm. Had a little segment with Obama as a youngin. <laughs> that was quite interesting. Uh, let's see, Lois Lane, one of our most iconic Lois Lanes, Margot Kidder, passed away since last time. Yes, sad news. That is sad. A lot of people were saying that she was the reason why they got into journalism. A lot of females said that. And also, I think she turned the character around and gave space for Terry Hatcher's version in the 90s, a TV series. But I think, you know, Margot's character, her portrayal, the way it was written, gave women more of a voice. And she just wasn't helpless. She was there with Superman. And she wanted to be a part of the action. And wanted to. She was very smart. Yes. Wasn't dumb. So, and that's important to me. And funny. I don't know funny what way i just the way she was uh i can just hear her when mm. they're when he's first flying with her it's just funny anyway i i always enjoyed her in trailer news uh we just got the bohemian rhapsody with rami malik's the first preview of that one that's supposed to be coming out in november december range i think we all just watched it we did i think it looks good i think it plays well in, ter- in terms of I think uh, it looks good. how it looks in the theater. I've seen it twice in the theaters now. Um, I think that movie is going to be a very, it's going to rely a lot on those like concert uh, shots. Just fine. Yeah. What? They work. I haven't seen that in, as a preview yet. Probably the movies I'm seeing are probably not Bohemian Rhapsody preview movies. Uh, it should be good despite all the drama behind the scenes, which is what I'm hoping for. I hope that the production, you know, the final, the final version, the final cut that we see the movie outshines all the drama and nonsense that happened in the making of it. Yeah. Usually it does. Sometimes not so much, but we'll see. We'll see. I I thought it was a strong trailer. I I thought it, it seemed good and it seemed engaging for me at least. Uh, any other news? I'm all good, I think. I got nothing. All right. 
with that, we're going to roll into Timeless. So, in case you didn't know, Timeless had its season finale, season two, a couple weeks back. Um, that was a two-hour special, which was nice. Um, all in all, if you haven't seen Timeless, I'm not going to spoil the ending for you. Just know it's very heart-wrenching. But um, it's a long time coming. Timeless is a story about three individuals, a soldier, uh, Wyatt, Lucy the historian, and a scientist, Rufus, who come together to stop a time-traveling villain who's going around in the past dispatching people, I guess is a nice word, that he thinks are doing wrong. And um, they have different alliances in season two. Things change. Um, very compelling. I mean, it... I must say, I wasn't originally a fan of the show. I didn't really know much about it. But then my sister-in-law, Sarah, mentioned it to me at a picnic. I said, hey, are you watching Timeless? And she knows I like sci-fi and the time machine. And we got talking about it. And then I started watching and I've been hooked ever since. The one thing that I don't like is the whole upheaval about Timeless Season 3 coming. Because right now there's still a debate. The producers and network are still deciding, is there an audience for this show? And compared to Season 1's tick, where they canceled it and then brought it back. We're a little low on fans, but Kelly Clarkson, the singer, is a big fan of the show. She's been pumping it all over Twitter, saying, save Timeless. I'm one of those people. So um, We've entered into this really interesting period with shows that are getting canceled but have a small enough fan base to keep them relevant. Right. And Timeless was a big example of like, oh, yeah, I guess we can come back for a short season. Another example recently was Brooklyn Nine Nine. Right, they got canceled and they got immediately picked back up by NBC. Mm-hmm. I could see Timeless if NBC it is NBC, right? Yes, NBC <laughs> decides to pass on them. That that this will be one of the ones that Netflix or Hulu are going to snatch yes. up quickly, very because there's just enough of a market to make it worth it for them to produce it, and it you know it's not a huge budget to produce the not the show. Really. It's not like you, the biggest effects you have are the time, time machine, machine popping in and out. So everything else is historical, right? And uh, well, they were shooting in Vancouver at first, and then they brought it down to LA for season two. And now we don't know where we are. We're in limbo. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's a great show. I mean, I'm gonna when they're they are on DVD. I'm gonna show my daughter when she's old enough to understand. But it's a great history lesson. You could do, a lot of people are saying they're learning history by watching the show. They're learning something in the show and then going to the library, which is great because libraries need to be filled and, and learning. What the <laughs> biggest part I've loved about the show is like Rufus's tongue in cheek, like yes. backlashing or backhanded <laughs> comments against like where African Americans stood at that time of right. history, and like with the last one, Harriet Tubman, with the Harriet Tubman thing, and like. Oh yeah, you you haven't been there yet, and just him coming to terms with like, oh yeah, this is where I came from, but then trying to empower those people that he meet to like, no, don't stand up for this shit. Um, it's been a really interesting series for me to watch, and I've liked season two way better than season one because right. I think the characters have been much stronger and more independent. Right, like you know, you got Lucy. Very, very independent. You know, she was latching on to Wyatt hard. Right. And then she finally broke free of him. Right. You got Wyatt, it got thrown in the turmoil this whole second season with his wife coming back. back. Yeah. And you introduce the guy who was the villain last year becomes basically Flynn. the fourth member of the main team. And I think he's one of the strongest characters there. He is. So this is a build upon show. 
watch the first and go through. Not yes. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to jump into the second and know what the heck's going on without doing the first because the, uh, there's a threaded story throughout the whole thing. Right. Um, but, you know, there's been really cool episodes. Like, I loved the episode with, um, and it was in season one, um, where they went back in time to NASA and they... Um, Hidden figures. The, um, bas- yeah, if you've seen Hidden Figures... Mm-hmm. You meet all those people in this timeline, oh, yeah. and just the the fan I want to say fangirlism, but it's like Lucy just goes insane of like, oh, these are the women, these are the women, and like they don't realize. Cool. Rufus you know, gets it, but yeah, Rufus gets it, Lucy gets it, but like, Why they get slowly. thrown into these people's life where they're not famous, they're not anybody that's special. But yet they're fangirling because they're like, oh, my God, do you realize who you are? These are the people that actually help Well, why did that with the NASCAR guy? Why did that with the first African-American in NASCAR? He was, like, all excited about him and whatnot. So they all have their fan moments. And even with the – I mean, Rufus broke protocol, which is not really protocol breaking. But there was an episode where he went to classic Hollywood and he met an African-American actress who literally created Wi-Fi in the 40s and 50s yep. and then gave up her, her patent for it and lost all that money but then he said keep your yeah. <laughs> renew your patent don't, don't lose your don't patent. lose your patent and then later on they get back to the future our present and she's been rich this whole time she's given money to this and that and i That's mean cool. well i'm i will say that i didn't quite get to buffy hmm. i just yeah i wasn't i couldn't sit still long enough but this sounds good it I is. feel like I could probably get into this one. I've enjoyed it. My um, my girls, every once in a while, they'll come in and they they catch it and they'll just sit there and watch it because the story of what they do back in time is actually engaging. Yes. Can you find, where do you find the old episodes? I still haven't discovered that yet. Uh, well, NBC is tied in with Hulu, so I'm guessing it's on Hulu. Could be. Okay. That would be my guess for season one. It's like Quantum Leap, but this is, for, I mean, I... Right. Seen, Quantum I've Leap was more, it was one guy, one guy and his helper. This is a now. team, and they all have their own conflicting points. Right. And um, I'm really sad, though, because you just reminded me that I have like 10 minutes left <laughs> of that whole season finale mm. because my DVR... Stop. Well, no, they must have started the episode late. They they started to they started this um it late like ten minutes they were doing something else and then it started ten minutes after that so something was on TV the yeah. um Brainiac kids Brainiac show was on and they went because over. we are I always start three minutes early yeah. and end five minutes late and so it just missed the last ten minutes so the last thing I have was, I'm not gonna spoil it for you you have to the last thing I had was them coming through the door and Rufus yeah getting yeah okay that was it and then it just like I, went I'm like no oh, what the heck? <laughs> Yeah, and now it's been a week later, and I've completely forgotten. I'll remind you: you have to see the last okay. two minutes. Well, if I find the old episodes, I will let everybody know. It's a good show. I mean, I really like it a lot. I like my favorite thing also. Also, when Rufus drops pop culture, it's like oh, that's name. the other thing. Everybody, when they go back in time, they all pick a name, and it's always like you know, Cagney or I'm Cagney, you're Lacey. Like, stuff like that. Like, they pull out just random pop culture stuff. Colonel Sanders. From, yeah, it's like... <sighs> the, the Colonel Sanders was the, the funny. Yeah. But it happened... It's just like, oh, did you hear what they just said? And my wife's just shaking her head in the corner at me because I'm like, it's funny. It is. It's good. But it's then, good. Like, then you have this, like, back to the future moment where I'm yes. like, man, wouldn't that name actually be... 
written down somewhere, like you had an encounter with so-and-so and then you go back to your normal time and then you read about that encounter and you're like, oh, okay, so that now famous person is actually named after somebody else that's from back then instead of it being an original name for some. It was just more of a time quandary question yeah, thing that I had. Yeah, with Clint Eastwood and... Yeah. Uh, Eastwood Ravine, when they jumped off, he said, my name is Clint Eastwood. Like, what? Eastwood. And then future, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, good show. I love it. I want to miss it. Bring it back. <laughs> yeah. I'm fully on board with hopefully bringing it back. And if not, at least give it to us at Netflix or somewhere that well, you appreciates guys. it. And there's, there's stuff on like Netflix that I'm like, oh, they can get rid of that. If they can renew that, then they can pick up Timeless. Oh, and Timeless has been so. doing um, deleted scenes. So I'm like, are DVDs coming out? Because if DVDs are coming out, I'm buying both seasons. That's but they're doing deleted scenes on Twitter <laughs> saying, hey, so many fans we will reveal deleted scenes from the show. and It's crazy. But I'll let that go. We'll move on. Book club. Okay. Okay, well, um, I would have gone to book club whether my parents were here or not. I just want to say that. Um but the best way to get me to relax and not do anything is to put me in a movie theater and sit me in a recliner and relax. Um, I went to see Book Club mainly because uh, I love Diane Keaton. Actually, I loved I loved Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, Candace Bergen. Um, I don't. I haven't watched a ton of Mary Steenburgen, but I, I love her as an actress. Um, she's on Last Man on Earth. I don't know. I think, yeah. Mm. Anyway, but it's about the this friendship uh, that these women have um, always come together for this book club over years and years and years, which I appreciate the friendship aspect um, of, because I have four friends that, my goodness, we've been friends since three of us since kindergarten and uh uh it's director is bill holderman he works he actually works a lot with uh robert redford so he did uh the robert redford movie with uh he and the boat i know you're talking about i don't have title on my tongue but i know you're talking in the woods etc so uh he wrote and directed this film uh which was kind of interesting uh, that a man wrote it um diane keaton is diane keaton you know she is uh confused and she's got her turtlenecks on and her fantastic outfits and that's all i needed uh, i was very excited about that and uh don johnson was i had the biggest crush on don johnson back in the day and I'm telling you, he was looks he, pretty dark. Was right. he in Nash Bridges? With she, he was, but I didn't watch Nash Bridges. Okay. I, I was a Miami Vice gal, and then he was in a couple movies that were kind of bad, but I watched him anyway. Um, so Don Johnson hooks up with uh, Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda, she doesn't really show her acting chops in this, but... You know, she's pretty to look at and she works well in the role she has. So those two kind of hooked up. And Mary Steenburgen uh, is with Craig T. Nelson. They've been married for 30 years. Things are a little quiet uh, there. And uh, Diane Keaton lost her husband after, I can't remember, I want to say they were married for 30-ish years. Uh, And Andy Garcia shows up as... 
Um, he's charming. Um, and Candace Bergen, Candace Bergen was probably the most, um, I would say, real of all the women, if that makes any sense. I mean, because Jane, no one looks like Jane Fonda. No one looks like Diane Keaton. I mean, uh, and Candace Bergen has aged gracefully, and her love interest was Richard Dreyfus, who was a doll. What happens is, is they decide that their book for the month, uh, I believe it's Jane Fonda brings it in, and they are going to read uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, mm. which I haven't see, read or seen. Um, so I don't know if you have seen the read the book, if no. it would make any My more difference to you. My wife's read it at lunchtime at work. And so I haven't read it or anything, but it was kind of funny. Um, it's it's a movie that's entertaining. It had some good laughs in it. It um, had some... There were some touching point, points in it. I, I There was a scene where you think they're talking about their first time having sex, I believe. I mean, and that, that's what they lead into it. It's actually their first kiss. And Diane Keaton talks about her first kiss and how... I know this sounds strange. Maybe it's because I'm a girl. She describes the fact that he put his hands on her face and held them there and how what an impact that made on her as far as being a first kiss um, because sometimes you're awkward and to have, a, I don't know, it's a very intimate thing for a man to put his hands on your face kind of thing. Anyway, I, I don't know if you guys get it. I got it. But uh, I say... If you love these women and you want to just have fun to go to see the movie, it's it's a go. I mean, it's it's easy to watch. It's funny. It's not it's not something that you're sitting there thinking, oh god, well, wasted however much money on this. But um, there are some reviews that were poor, and I don't think these women have anything to prove. That's all I'm going to say. They did looks like they did it for fun and they each had a great they each had fun. They all looked great. I thought it was fun to see all these actors on screen and uh it talked a lot about, you know, um sexuality and how it can change as our body changes or as relationships change or whatever. And I feel like I don't know, that's a human thing. So I say go question um some of my friends said that this is like the first wives club but update. oh my god is I it anything like this somebody was no it's nothing like that okay I've, i used to watch that a lot as a kid over and over and over again i'm not sure why i just was fascinated by the storyline i guess and uh, no it's not nothing like that okay um thanks. and something like jane austen's book club or anything like that um I'm just curious okay it's you know and it's not even um an older sex in the city type of thing either mm. So it, it, it just told its own. It's kind of, did I ever forget that who they were? No. I was always looking at Diane Keaton and Jane Fonda and, and Candace Bergen. I didn't have a problem with it. Did you, well, let me ask you this. Did they stand out to you as Diane, Diane and Jane and Candace, or did they disappear into their roles? No. I didn't think they disappeared into their roles because Diane Keaton acted like Diane Keaton. She's got her turtlenecks. 
and she's, you know, anxiety ridden okay. and she's, you know, acting quirky. I, but I can watch Diane Keaton acting like Diane Keaton just as like I can watch uh, Jack Nicholson be Jack Nicholson in the movies. So it didn't really bother me. It reminds me of a, a conversation that's been going on on and off in Hollywood about how if you're a 60 year old man, you can still have a leading role in a film. But if you're a 60 year old woman, you're lost and forgotten. And it feels like these women found a way to get around that by finding somebody who believed in like they're the great actors and act or the great actresses by themselves. And what better way to throw a flip the bird at Hollywood than to cast them all in a movie True. together True. and say, Hey, look, they still got it. Obviously, here Bill, you go. Obviously, Bill Oldman likes to walk or work with, uh, you know, like true uh, American actors. Yeah, I mean, he obviously has a little love affair there with, uh, um, oh my gosh, my guy. All I can see is Hubble. Give me his name. You're talking about Robert. Thank you, Hubble. I mean, I'm calling him his boy. Anyway, do you know who Hubble is in the way we were? That's the, his mm. character in the movie. Okay. Yeah. So um, he actually is in a f- film with Jane Fonda. Uh, it's on Netflix. Um, but I thought it was really kind of funny because Don Johnson's daughter with Melanie Griffith is actually the star of Fifty Shades Grey. Yes. So I thought that was kind really? of a, Dakota Johnson. A Dakota oh. Johnson. Yeah. So that kind of cracked me up. I won't watch the movies, but that's but I hadn't seen know. Don in a while, and he shows up, and I thought, wasn't he in? You're something? looking good, Don. Was he in what? I thought he was in something recently. Like I think he's coming back. Like I wouldn't say he's coming back. I just back, think back, he's just. I just yeah. haven't seen a whole lot, but I, I, I love these women. I leaned over. The the first one of the first outfits that Diane Keaton has on is just spectacular. I think they're like, my God, just to look like that and wear that outfit. So it's fun. It I, my dad went and he laughed and he enjoyed it. Um, so he's seventy seven, seventy six, seventy seven. So he's born forty one. That's all I can say. My dad too. Um, and he chuckled. I mean, he was ch- chuckling. I was definitely the youngest person there. And yes, I fell asleep for about 15 minutes. But that was a good thing. It didn't. You had an excuse. <laughs> I couldn't relax. I'm telling you. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, go see it. And you? And me. I waffled back and forth as to what movie I was going to actually talk about this week because I saw two over the last two weeks. I saw Deadpool 2 last week. And I saw Solo this week. Uh, in short, if you saw Deadpool 1 and you liked it, go see Deadpool 2. You'll like it. Um, it's the same, just a little bit filthier and dirtier. Um, entertaining and engaging enough. Solo. Uh, solo directed by Ron Howard, starring uh, Alden. I never say this guy's name right. Alden. Enric, I think that's Enric. how you say it. Yeah, um, Woody Harrelson, Amelia Clark, Donald Glover, Paul Bettany, John Favreau, and coming back as the new Chewbacca, Junus Junus Suatamo. Um, the story was written by 
Lawrence Kasdan and his son, Jonathan. Hmm. Um, I had a lot of high hopes for this simply because of that. But the part that was lingering in the background was that this was a film that was very, very troubled in production. It was um, the Lord, Phil Lord, the Lord Brothers, Lord, Phil Lord. Yeah. Phil and Chris Lord. Um, were the original directors that were brought on to do this. They were the guys behind Lego Batman, or Mm -hmm. the Lego movie, not Lego Batman, Lego movie. And so they have a very particular brand of comedy. It's very in-your-face, and they will make fun of, basically in the same way that South Park makes fun of themselves, they would make fun of themselves in the Star Wars universe. They would not hesitant to say something stupid about Chewbacca or Yoda or something. Um, So them being hired was a really weird thing at first, but it was like, hey, Lego movie was fun. Han Solo has always been a tongue-in-cheek kind of character to begin with. He's never really been taken as a serious guy. He's just kind of been the, uh, oh, dashing hero that comes in and tries to save the day and then inevitably gets saved by Princess Leia or somebody else um, or Chewie. And so long story short, if you're familiar with the production, they got canned um, by Catherine Kennedy. Kathleen. Kathleen Kennedy um, for creative differences. It was an amicable split. And then Ron Howard was brought on to finish up the movie. And for a good six months after that, we expected a trailer and never got a trailer until Super Bowl. Yeah, I think so. Was our first little inkling of anything. And to get a trailer as late as within a five-month window um, is kind of concerning. But it's obvious now after watching the movie that Ron Howard basically redid the whole movie. There's nothing in there that, except for maybe one or two things that feel like, oh, that could have been a leftover from Phil Lord just to kind of lighten the mood a little bit. Um, I'll go into the story in a minute as to how I feel about that. Um, soundtrack is awesome. Felt good. It's the uh, another one that was not done by John Williams. It was done by John Powell. So this is the second um, hmm. Star Wars film. Rogue One was not either. Rogue One was done by, um, I don't have his name off the top of my head right now. Uh, but John Powell did have um, little notes and cues from John Williams uh, as for certain thematic things that brought in here. And every once in a while, you'd have these little things that pop up that were just kind of like a little bit of reminiscers of like, oh, yeah, there's there's the, the Han Solo theme from John Williams that got brought in. Uh, one part that kind of threw me out of it for a minute was as and it happened within the first 15 minutes is you hear the the um imperial march at, at a training recruitment thing for han going up to get into the imperial march but you hear the imperial march and it's like coming through a recording and up there i'm just like they never had the recording this was never stop it <laughs> it's like why are they using the music you know, well, it would right. have been like a cue underneath would have been better, but it was actually they were using the Imperial March as That's like strange. theme music for the training thing. Like, oh, you hear the dun 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 dun. It was very strange because I'm like, the music has never actually been incorporated into it no. in that way. Um, 
as a whole, the movie felt very romantic to me. It felt like a, it felt like two movies conflicting with each other. Mm. Like Ron Howard seemed like he was trying to make a very romantic Han Solo. So the moments that he has with Amelia Clark and even some of the moments he has with Chewie are very romantic in their, their nature. I mean, there's a very, you learn a lot about the relationship between Chewie and Han to the point where like, yeah, these two are basically a couple. Um, you know, this was the starting of that and you, you watch Amelia and his arc of their love and where it basically dies out towards the end. And you kind of get that footing as to why Han was always like kind of fast and loose with women. It's just because he didn't trust them. They were always going to turn on him. And so, and that's where we're kind of left with at the end of the movie. Um, the big thing in the movie was bringing in the Kessel run. Um, you know, they've talked about this through all different Star Wars movies. Oh, the, the Millennium Falcon made the, the Kessel run in 12, 12 parsecs. And here they finally had a chance to actually show the Kessel run. And I've heard a lot of people say this is the most exciting thing of the movie. I don't, to me, it just it was a letdown. It's kind of like one of those, like never meet your heroes, right? Never see the thing that is it doesn't feel right. It didn't. It wasn't anything exciting to me. Kind of off topic, but not really. But they're talking about the same thing with Boba Fett. They're talking about making a Boba Fett film, and honestly, I would care they not do it. But the continue. only thing about the Boba Fett film, side tangent, is that James Mangold is coming yeah. on as or is semi attached as director, and he did Logan. And right. so there's a. If they make Boba Fett a western in space, which <laughs> basically it Star is. Wars is a western in space, right? But should be fine. I would, what he did with Logan, I would be happy if he did that with Bubba Fett too, and I'd enjoy it. Okay. What were you missing in Han? Or in Solo? Sorry. Harrison Ford. Yeah. There, Alden is good, but it is hard to shake off yeah. what Harrison brings to the screen. And it took me a good maybe 45 minutes before I felt comfortable with Alden's performance to the point where he just kind of let it. And I don't know if that was a, okay, is that the original stuff from Phil Lord or is this stuff from Ron Howard? Because it seemed like it was completely different direction, like where Alden felt like he was in the role. And I know Harrison actually was part of the production process. He was with Alden, like giving him like, you know, this is what I would do. This is what the character would do. Um, Did they have scenes where... Uh, but I think it, it goes from him making an impression of Han Solo to him actually being a Han Solo. Mm -hmm. And there is a distinct difference in the scenes. And that's why I'm, I would... We're never going to know who directed what or if it's all the same thing. Or if, hey, was this filmed 18 months ago or was this filmed three months ago? Um that it took the it took me that long to attach to the character. I mean, did they do the hair? You know when they have uh, pieces that are depicting real people, they will have um, scenes from you know um, them walking, uh, and you are seeing the backs of them or the sides of them, and you in your head can kind of connect those two people together. Do you try to say like, do they have his hair? To the point where you can kind of see him 
there. Um, I, do you understand what I'm saying? I um, think I do. Um, <laughs> okay. And uh, Star Wars, uh, the third one with uh, Ewan McGregor, um, they, the behind-the-scenes featurette, they showed a picture of uh, Sir Alex Guinness, mm-hmm. and they were matching the best they could Ewan and Alex's hair and whatnot. So you can see, and even Ewan said, I watched a lot of you know Alex, not just in Star Wars, but in other films too, to see his mannerisms, see how he carries himself. Mm-hmm. So he said, I may not look just like him, but we're trying to get me as a younger, almost elder Alec Guinness. So, yeah. I mean, uh, the looks, I was fine with how he looked. I mean... Did it, he have a scar? I don't remember one. Um, it was more of the mannerisms that he brought to the character that were so different from the Han Solo we know. The Han Solo we know is very like, hey, fella, hey, hey, hey. like really just... well. A that really that same take on that 70s 60s like in your face action hero I'm going to be the guy I'm going to be the one that fixes everything and Alden was very held back very like yeah uh well when I was reading the screenplay um, I got the impression that this was Han the idealist like Han wasn't yet jaded completely yet like I feel like in the future ones he's already not corrupted but crusty already he's already cynical but in when reading han solo this one i felt like he wasn't there quite yet like he had that wisecracks but it wasn't like but deflection. he was fully confident in himself and everything he did in this movie right which that is something that han solo is but his confidence just i don't know it, it struck me in a way that i didn't oh. i didn't appreciate it and like i said it took me a long time to accept him as Han, and I don't remember what scene it was in before I was like, oh, yeah. And it might have been, like, one of the, the first interactions with Chewbacca okay. before I was like, oh, yeah, okay, now this feels a little bit more natural. How are the- um, however, Donald Glover, <laughs> holy hell, when he started talking, he's got, like, the dead-on almost of an impression that... Well, didn't he talk to... Um, didn't they have a conversation like him and the I forget his name now the original actor um, Billy D didn't Billy D? Uh, I don't know. It wouldn't it, it wouldn't surprise me if it did, but it I mean it, when he started talking the, you, the first things you have is him around a you know VR version of a poker table, but it's another game that they're playing and you hear him talking, and I almost thought it was Billy D talk. I'm like that's cool, wow, and it was just. Donald Glover had it down, his mannerisms down. And I had more feelings for Donald Glover and his attachment to the machine, LS-13, I think it was, and her ultimate demise. Um, Like, I had more attachment to that than I had for Han for most of the movie. Um, There was a nice surprise appearance by Darth Maul at the end that I was like, oh, yay? Does this mean what I hope it means? Um, I don't know. How was the how was the look of the movie to you? I'm just curious about the look of the movie, the colors of the movie, the sounds. I mean, I don't know. Does it sound like Star Wars? Does it look like Star Wars? The colors. Everything feels like it fits into the universe. Okay. Um, I don't feel like, but I like overall, it feels more like a romanticized movie than an action movie. If that makes any sense at all. Does it feel like a Star Wars movie? Yeah. 
is it one that I'm going to watch over and over like I watch the other ones? Mm-hmm. Nope. I'll okay. probably watch it once with my kids and that'll be the end of it because I just don't feel like, to me, it doesn't add much to anything. Mm-hmm. I would actually, I would have preferred because of how good Donald Glover was is like, you know, we don't know, a, we didn't know a lot about um, less, uh, man, I, my, my names today, Lando Carissian. We didn't know a ton about him through the other films. Or their relationship. We just know that they had. I wish they would have like flipped it and just let it be, let it be Donald Glover's film. He's so good in the role, but I understand why they did it. Solo is a, you know, he's a popular Mm -hmm. character. We got the origin of how him and Chewie came together. Um, We've got to see the backstory of the Millennium Falcon and all the crap that happened to it that led it to how it became his ship. Um, The legend. And just like Rogue One, it's right on the tipping point of everything that sets up for four, five, and six. So it's that, you know, the rebellion is is breaking and, you know, here we go. And hmm. he has that moment where, like, does he join them or not? And he chooses not to, which was interesting to me. That, like, you knew that in your head that was going to happen, but it's like with everything that was in the film and everything that led him up to that point, for him to say no, you're like, huh. Because you're thinking down the line of like, the Han I know wouldn't have said that. Well, mm-hmm. this isn't the Han we know. This is the Han that we are just about to meet after this movie. So do we go? I'd go see it in theaters. Um, dial back your expectations a little bit. It's not the greatest Star Wars movie out there. It's applicable. It works. Um, but at the same, like, like I, I, I enjoyed episode eight, and there's a lot of hate for episode eight and a lot of love for episode eight. So I think we're at a point with all the Star Wars movies that, you know, Welcome what I didn't like, somebody else is going to extremely love. Sure. Um, but I just, yeah. I had a friend of mine walk out of the theater after the opening pop, 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 pop. Instead of the crawl, it took him out of it completely. He said, okay, again, without the title crawl. And he went, voomp, and left. And but that, that's, they've established that with the Star Wars stories stuff, though. Yeah. He, just, he said he was tired of it. And he said, no. And he left. I'm like, okay, you wasted your money. See, that was my mom's money. I'm like, okay. What? what? I don't understand. The, uh, at the beginning, do you know how you have the standard Star Wars yes. crawl? The uh-huh. yellow text going up the stream. So they say a long time ago in a galaxy right. far, far away. But yes. Well, there's you don't have the but and you don't have the title crawl. They actually have it's just more text that fades in and fades out because they set this. They set it with Rogue One uh, two years ago that okay. the Star Wars stories, Star Wars stories don't have to fit into that mold of these are your Star Wars. There are what happens in this box stays in this box mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, there was an interesting discussion this week as to like. Why Why are they called Star Wars stories? Why isn't there another name? And I'm, I was interested that, like, why can't they be the Chronicles or something? Sagas. You know, the, uh, but mm. Star Wars stories sounds a little letdown-ish. So, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for something to do, go see it. I would go see Deadpool 2 over that. If you only had one option to go see. If you have seen the first one. If you've seen the first one, yeah. It, it, I mean, it'll still be fun, but you won't get a lot of the 
inside jokes that happen from, um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to take my girls to go see solo at the theaters where I'm just going to wait until it comes out on Got it. film. So yeah, there we go. Mm. All righty. That was a lot down, wasn't Man, it? Man, that was a... Yeah. That's okay. Not everything's going to be a winner. That's okay. Okay. With that, we will return in just a moment. For you, the listeners of the Cultural Stew Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I have been a Audible uh, membership subscription person for a little while now, and I have enjoyed the books. I know Valerie is a junkie. Okay, junkie. She is our expert on Audible. Okay, what are you recommending this week? Right now, I'm listening to. I'm finishing up. I'm listening. I I always listen to two or three at a time, but I'm finishing up the Alice Network, which I, I spoke about last week. And the secret, she, the secrets she keeps by Michael Robothon, the Robothon, um, which I'm still. It's it's kind of a mystery, and the way they are putting it together is very. You're not going to figure out what's going on until the end. Um, but one of the things I wanted to talk about were the channels that they had, and so one of them, which is what you get um, when you are a subscriber, you have these channels that you can just go on to. One of them is better than the movie. So you get all these books. You can listen to them for free. So right now they have The Prestige, uh, Zookeeper's Wife, Slumdog, Jaws, The Descendants. Um, and then there's another one, which I think is kind of fun, is Follow the Clues. And they have a whole bunch, The Hound of the Baskervilles. Maybe, maybe That's maybe a little geeky for you guys, but I totally enjoy it. And then... Um, the hundred year old man who climbed out the window and does you guys know this book at all? I don't. But if, if they're interested in checking out any of these, how do they go about? They go, they go to, this is written wrong, but it is audio audible. Audible Sorry. It's audibletrial.com slash cultural stew. And one day I will figure this out. (laughs) But again, it's audible trial.com slash cultural stew. And what do they get if they go there? They get a 30-day trial and a free book. One free. Well, it's a credit. And and even if you don't continue to be an audible person, you get to keep that book. So You do. I mean, you, you can, can listen to it forever. You can you can use that credit on John Adams uh um audiobook. I forgot uh, I think it's Richard McCullough's John Adams. You can Huge use it on 36 hours of Audible. You can use it on any of the Harry Potter books that cost about 36 bucks on there. Yeah. I mean, it's you, you can worth it. keep an eye on and there's some really good deals that you can sneak in there with just that one credit. And then the daily deal. Don't forget the daily deal. Mm-hmm. And there plenty of new releases coming in and out of there constantly. And they have their own their own shows. I mean, they have their own books. They bring in all these people, famous people, and they redo books, um, kind of like plays. It's really cool. So once again, 30-day free trial, one credit. Go to audibletrial.com slash cultural stew and get your free audiobook today. 
And welcome back. Today, our stew is on blockbusters, and Valerie is going to take us away. Blockbusters. <laughs> that was... As we... <laughs> uh, <laughs> poor, poor blockbuster. It went, went belly up, didn't it? Anyway. Um, so blockbusters today, I would suppose, mean that we're all looking forward to summer blockbusters. The big budget, big star, whatever's coming up soon. So uh, we do have uh, a few, like three or four big blockbusters coming out this summer. Um, that I think there are some people that are looking forward to, especially Ron, who's got his Jurassic Park shirt on currently. So, um, well, we're already in blockbuster season. I know it came early because uh, I think we'll go the into Avengers, that. The Avengers kind of the same. The same guy who basically started the blockbuster role is now was the guy who's now trying to take charge and break the blockbuster mold. I'm <laughs> going to that. Um, I think one of the questions was uh, thinking about the blockbuster movies that you went to as a kid that maybe you remembered or that were more impactful, at least for me. Um, I do remember watching the news and seeing all the lines for E.T. I remember it being such a big deal. I went to go see E.T. in the theater. Um, I cried. I remember that experience, but I also remember Ghostbusters. And that experience with we've got the song, we've got the whole thing. Um, so as far as summer blockbusters when I was a kid, I guess those were the ones that stood out to me. Um, and then in recent history, I would say The Dark Knight um, stood out to me because I was I was really blown away by The Dark Knight. I saw it in I, IMAX. Um, in Chicago. And that one really, I don't know. Do you guys have mm-hmm. some that, that you remember that made any type of, like when you think of blockbuster, that's the movie you think of? I absolutely do. Want to go first? Yeah. So, you know, going back on like the term comes from 1940s, uh, kind of got, uh, used a little bit here and there. And then a little film director named Steven Spielberg decided that there were no movies during the middle of summer. And one of the big reasons were it was very expensive to heat these big or to cool these big giant theaters. Mm -hmm. And Spielberg thought, well, that's a three month period of no big movies coming out. Why don't I put my movie out then? It's going to have no competition. People are going to come to it. And that's when people are going to the beach. And... (laughs) So he had a little movie called Jaws in 1975 drop. And uh, let's just say he he repositioned the phrase of blockbuster because the movie soared and he brought lots of people to it. And he basically created the new wave of blockbuster boom single-handedly. And with his friend George Lucas, they basically cornered the blockbuster market um, between Star Wars and then Indiana Jones mm-hmm. um, going mm-hmm. into the 80s. And 
for me, the first one that I eagerly anticipated was Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it had Spielberg on it. I mean, I loved everything that he had done up to that point. He was just one of those guys that when he directed something, he tapped into a part of your brain that was like, this is a big kid playing with toys. And he knew how to, to pull on those little heartstrings and make you feel something. And all the lead up to this film, you know, from the, the conic image of the glass of water sitting on the front, on the dashboard, the dashboard, just trembling. And as a, you know, this came out in 1993. So I think the first trailer I saw for it was in the end of 92. And so you just, you got excited. You're like, oh my gosh, we're going to have dinosaurs. And when you got your first glimpse, all you saw was the, the claw of T-Rex smushing down into the mud. And I, I'd have to, I, I didn't go back and look at the trailer, but I distinctly remember there was very little that they showed of the dinosaurs. It was a very effective trailer. And when the movie finally came out, we got the literal last seat in the back corner. And it was the worst spot you can be in the theater to see it. But I remember when Grant and Ellie are on the Jeep and Professor Hammond says, welcome to Jurassic Park. And they turn around and they see the dinosaurs for the first time. I like, and to this day, like literal tears in my eyes because of where you thought technology was. Uh And like here Spielberg had created dinosaurs. It wasn't Hammond. It was Spielberg. That was Spielberg showing, hey guys, look where we can go and what we can do. And it just, for me as an impressionable teenager, it was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to be surrounded by film. I've been surrounded by film in a different way, but to this day, I mean, I can recite every single line of this whole movie. You too. That's fun. Um, and I know this movie inside out. I've watched probably a thousand times and that wouldn't be like a, that Imagine big not. of a lie. It's number 22 actually in the U S attendance of all time. It ranks 22. But, but here's the polling power of that single movie. Mm-hmm. We're now, that was 93, and Jurassic World came out in 2015. I think mm-hmm. so. And Jurassic World completely obliterated. Yes. That, and that's because that, those people that grew up with that were all came back and we were all put back in that same spot. Yeah, there were some things to go. But to me, that was like the epitome of my youth was like, that was the blockbuster. And from then on, it was just like, Hey, what are these really big films? And you know, yeah, I have a a slant towards, I like big, loud, big boom films, but at the core of it is a film like Jurassic park that makes me imagine stuff that are, it's more than just people acting about their average daily lives. And, you know, in a Woody Allen-esque type uh, atmosphere, it's imagining stuff that just aren't there, stuff that aren't real and making them real. Like E.T. Yeah. Like he did for E.T. I mean, we felt, I mean, we felt the connection between he and Elliot and when E.T. is sick and the whole thing and it's heart-wrenching. 
Um, but you sure did believe. I I do appreciate his um his inner child that he constantly wants to bring out. Um, he does a great job. What's interesting is that also marked the turning point for Spielberg because that was also in tandem with that he released Schindler's List. So right. it was it was his start of his doing two films God, in yeah. tandem. tandem. Yeah, and uh, that's insane. But yeah, for me, just like it kicked off the '90s of blockbusters and the 2000s of blockbusters, and into here we are, all these years later, and. Spielberg is yet again the one trying to break the mold of, hey, stop releasing blockbusters during the summer. Blockbusters can happen any time of the year. But yet he was the one who set us down the path of summer after summer after summer after summer after summer. I know. Here, here he is. He's, uh, so in Jaws, he rules the 70s, and then he brings us E.T. in the 80s, and he brings us uh, Jurassic Park in the 90s, and he just keeps bringing it. Tony, well, I'm difficult and weird, so I have two. Um, okay. I have a thing with me. I, my brother makes fun of me a lot. He'll be on the show at some point. But as a kid, I'd watch movies over and over again every day until mm-hmm. I drove my brother mad and my dad mad. But my dad introduced me to one of these. I grew up watching RoboCop like every day, like the original RoboCop, not the new one. So all that vulgarity, all the Kurtwood Smith, all my face all day long. <laughs> For a whole year, I would watch it. And I think it came out in 87, so I was about three years old. My baby sister was born that year, but kept me busy, kept me occupied in 88. Um, um, and I, I guess at the time, the censorship, I didn't really understand the language. I just knew, I sure. felt. And now I realize, too, reading commentaries and listening to commentaries about the film, that Peter was chosen, the actor playing Robocop was chosen because he had a good jawline and he could emote with his lower face because Robocop's face is pretty much covered. So, in a way, something in that film identified with me where still to this day, I still love the city of Detroit, and I've only been there a couple of times, but something about it makes me want to go there and help those people. And true to cause, the city was on its way downhill as that film was supposed to be a futuristic parable, but it's still, it's coming back. But some reason, I enjoyed a robot cyborg police officer helping bring justice to his city and fighting corruption and Again, my favorite character is Kurtwood Smith, who plays Red in the 70s show. And it's funny seeing him playing smart guys before then and then playing a bad guy in RoboCop and then going to being a somewhat bad, good guy in the 70s show. And again, Kurt was cast against type, like many actors in the film. So um, I don't know. I mean, as a young kid, I guess I didn't, the whole gore aspect didn't bother me, which is kind of disturbing to say. My dad sat me down, which don't be mad at my dad. My dad loves movies like I do. And he didn't have any issues with showing his four-year-old, five-year-old kid RoboCop. And again, I wasn't the kid at school who was swearing at teachers. And again, I never got in trouble for swearing because I don't do that. So I would watch the movie, take it all in, and then watch it again. And yeah. my mom would sit there shaking her head like, what is going on? But I just love that film. And I've never seen it. The original? Uh-uh. It's pretty gory. I mean, for the 80s, that's pretty It's been a while graphic. since I've watched it, but... It's it's intense. I mean, even as a kid, I remember like a lump in my throat, like not sad tears, but like, oh, this is horrible. Oh, this is bad. But I'm still going to watch it eating my pretzels because I don't eat popcorn. But just <laughs> it's sad, but engaging. And all the characters pop. It's like a comic book in a way on film. And 
for me is Paul's Verhoeven, I guess is the name. He's done a lot like uh, Starship Troopers, which I like a lot. He has a lot of satires, which I guess why I like it because his films are one thing, but under the surface, when you look into society more, you see what he's really talking about and what he means, and there are good stories. Ron, comment, thoughts? No, no. no. So no. my uh, enjoying listening. And your second, my second one is Jaws, which um, I enjoyed as a kid too, because I like the whole not seeing the shark aspect and then it popping and scaring you. And I like the you know the camaraderie between the three guys on the boat, the beating the mayor in the head repeatedly, verbally saying, "Look, there's a problem." No, there isn't. And then you have Richard Dreyfuss, who's one of my favorite actors, you know, who's just casual. And I know they rewrote some of the script to fit him more, but this whole I know what I'm talking about. Oh, it doesn't make any sense. And Richard just plays it very low-key and mature and doesn't explode. And then you have just... It was, for me, that was a great summer film to watch. And I, again, I don't know what it is about films that, you know, have gore and blood and things like that as a kid, but they engaged me. But then years later, I was able to read more. I read the behind the scenes. I read the articles. I read the book about the making of the film. And as a filmmaker, I said, if Stevie can do it when he was 26 then I can make my film too. And that got me into thinking, we just had to push forward. I mean, Stephen was over budget, over schedule, just everything was going at him the wrong, but he pulled through. I mean, originally the shark was supposed to be seen, but they had issues, so they made do, and he said, let's just hide the shark. So that Good was old a Bruce. <laughs> creative decision. So, and there's a script on the blacklist that came out last year about the making of Jaws. There's two of them, I think, on there. But um, the blacklist, in case you're wondering, is a annual screenplay contest where the up-and-coming unproduced screenplays are voted on by readers and agents, and they give them a rating, people voting on them. And so at some point, they'll be made. Like um, our film trailer that came out recently, the um, puppets, the Happy Happy Time Murders. That was on the blacklist in 12. That was so many years ago, but that was on the blacklist in like the middle of the pile that no one said, we're not going to touch this, we're not going to touch it. But then someone said, hey. Sidebar. Let's get it. If you want to laugh like crazy in a very sick, demented way, go hide your kids, go put on the Happy Time Murders trailer, and... Uh, don't drink anything. Don't drink anything. We'll show Valerie after and see her happy, reaction. Happy Times Murder trailer? Yeah. My wife was just snorting out of her nose, just funny. She was like, look at me and disbelieve it. Yes, it's a real thing. And McCarthy is Melissa McCarthy's in it, which is perfect. So It, it's just, it, de- it debuted. <laughs> this was like... I was just talking about how like uh, trailers are coming out way before like movie openings now. So like you can see something like a couple weeks before you go to a movie and it's like, oh, you know, I remember the time when you used to go to a movie and the first time you'd actually see the trailer was at that movie. And then the next week they'd be all online somewhere. Well, Happy Time Murder Trailers was the first one I've seen in a long time that that was its debut was in front of Deadpool 2 the whole audience lost it. I mean, I have never heard... I, I've been in some comedies. I've never heard an audience lose it like this. Not even during any part of Deadpool 2. And they just lost it. And like you have like these little old people just <laughs> cracking up. I'm like, this is demented. Just think of Avenue Q on drugs. <laughs> and Avenue Q has got some pretty messed up I parts. I was say... Um... So, you know, I was also sidebar. sitting here thinking about summer movies and the, the movie watched over and over and over again. And my, mine, when I was younger, may have been, I had like two brains almost. Like I would watch 
Gone with the Wind. I would make a weekend for Gone with the Wind. But then um, Top Gun. I would, see to, I would see Top Gun okay, in the movie what drew, theater. What drew you to Gone with the Wind? What drew me? I mm-hmm. don't know. My little sister said the same thing. It was the first movie that she'd seen that it, it just wasn't like any other movie. I have no idea why I love that movie. It's a well-made film. It's sad and depressing. It's just just one of those, like, I don't know how at a young age it's engaging. And I did. I watched it. I would spend weekend, like, I would, okay, this is my Gone with the Wind day. And I, in high school, would set aside. But I also. flipped to Tom Cruise. I watched Top Gun over and over and over and over again. Um, it's not a bad film, Top Gun. It's just it's, you know, it was so in the movie theater. So weird. It was so fun. We were in planes. We were, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that, that's the epitome of the blockbuster. That, is the big, oh, bold, God. in your face. It was great. Big, expensive budget on on display. I mean, we have a sweet, cute little Meg Ryan in there for the first time. She was right off of As the World Turns. Nice soap that I used to watch. Yes, I did good, when good. I was little. It's a good, it's a good series. Um, but yeah, and then you know you have our sad point, our sad, the sad moment, except for the fact that you know Goose, who's getting pulled out of the water, which a thousand, a thousand times, and you see him readjust him, like readjust himself as he's getting like pulled out of the water. His hand comes up and readjusts something on his shoulder. If you look really closely in the film. Zombie. And it's Zombie just like, Oh, dude. Seriously. But, um, yeah, my friends and I watched that. Well, they just figured by that time you're bawling and you can't see through your tears. And, and I don't know when Goonies came. I mean, Goonies was in 86. I don't know if it came out in the, movie, in the summertime, but that was probably up to that I don't point, know how I didn't movie. see that in the theaters. I was 11. I was born in 85. So. I don't remember it was, seeing it before oh, I saw it on TV. was one. But I did watch it a lot in the 90s. I, my brother will say that. God, I went to see I it. My grandparents too. took me to see it, which I thought was awesome. And so I'm like with my favorite people watching this movie. And I just was like. <gasps> did you fall asleep then? It was No, I did not. Mm-hmm. I did not fall asleep. And I just remember thinking, this is the best movie I have ever seen in my entire life. It's a Donner film, isn't it? Yes. Yes, Richard Donner. Steven Spielberg. Yep. Producer. He produces a lot of films. Like he did uh, We're Back. Back which to was, the Future. We're Back was... I love Back to the Future too. I watched that a lot too. I was uh, 10. 1985. Um, you were born that year. Yeah. We're Back was the children's version of Jurassic Park for little kids because Steven produced that too. Like a little cartoon that dinosaurs from the past are brought to the future and are talking and dancing and... Talking and dancing? We're back as that a, might have been erased from my mind. I don't yeah. remember that at all, but I it do. It wasn't that. It's familiar. It's like the Tarnasaur is yeah. dancing and they're like, yeah. It's, How about The Land Before Time? I didn't get into that. I loved The Land Before Time. Mm. You didn't? I like, I mean, I I watched it in high school too. My friend. Courtney, mm. Courtney and I, always my bestie always sat and watched The Land Before Time and quoted it and I know. I had lots of so looking into this summer, you know, we like I said, the the season kind of already kicked off early when Avengers moved itself up in the calendar into April. Um, but Spielberg tried to even move it up even further by trying to get uh, 
Ready Player One up oh, yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Marvel's been doing their fair share of, you know, every movie that comes out now from Marvel is considered a blockbuster and they've doing several a year. So they've been spreading it out along the calendar. Well, Black now. Panther sure set it off. Yeah. Holy cow. And uh, so going forward, we got Deadpool 2 and Solo just back to back weeks here. Uh-huh. And coming up, we got Jurassic World. Well, Jurassic World's in June, 20, June 22nd. I want to see Hereditary, um, which is one of the scariest. That's what they say. Um, it has Tilda Swinton. She's scary in just scary? herself. No, she's not scary. But see, I wouldn't classify that as a blockbuster. These I, a horror movie during the summertime. Like Dark Water was pretty horrible. There's no anticipation way. for me for that movie because you don't like horror mo- movies. I have like I, I have anticipation, them, but yes, horror how movies incre- belong in the. How about Incredibles fall. two? Incredibles two. Yeah, I have kids. I'm going to go see that with the kids. Going to see yeah. that June 15th. That's Everybody's coming out. Everybody's been waiting for that one for a while. Um, Mission Impossible, of course, Fallout, July 27th, Tom Cruise, again, with his, that's that's a blockbuster, for sure. And then there's some Ant- other Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming that's out. That's true. Another one. I just sent this whole list to Anthony. <laughs> there's a little, I mean, there's some movies that are coming out that I think look really interesting and guess maybe they're not blockbusters, but I think that there's some great summer movies coming out, so that's good. Mm-hmm. We're not just having, no offense, but big, huge, transformer dumb movies that I sit there and think, why am I here? Unfortunately, we're still stuck in a lot, the mode of like rehash and extend series. Um, you got Ocean's 8, which I'm, I'm excited for just because they actually did it with a female cast. I but they, I, I haven't gotten good. anything from the trailers that makes me really Mm-mm. feel for it. I worry about it because of the Ghostbusters. I didn't even see the Ghostbusters with women. The women Ghostbusters. Either. I don't even know. I know it wasn't it. great. I didn't see it, but I would probably go see Ocean's 8. I probably would, but for fun. Um, Maybe I'd fall asleep. You know what we're going to do is we're going to try to find the movie where I do not fall asleep in. Mm, I can't. We might have to wait six months. We win in the movie. In the, in, I know. What are you thinking? No, I'm just saying in general. Well, oh, you know, she's I was, going through recovery and everything. So we've got to give her six months no. before she's back into normal. Yeah, but I was falling asleep before. I was yeah, falling asleep during Baby in, Driver. In Black I don't think you'll. Panther. You're not going to fall asleep during Bohemian Rhapsody. I think you'll be too engaged in the music. I think so. That sounds like a good idea. But I think that um, we do have a lot of um, good summer flicks coming out uh, that may not be blockbusters, but I feel like some people will enjoy as well. Yeah. It's like I'm excited for Tag. I mean, that's one of the ones I can't wait to come. I don't know what that is. Uh, we talked about it a couple episodes ago. It's, oh, I'm sorry. We watched the trailer. It's the one with... Um, Tag? Hawkeye is Jeremy Renner. Oh. And, and they, the friends who have been playing a lifelong game of tag. Oh. Ham's in it. Yeah. Okay. There's one uh, called Eighth Grade, by the way. Uh, and I thought this one looked, it comes out July 13th. I think this is going to be one of those that I, I, I think it might be interesting to see. Maybe not for everyone, but I think it might be a good movie. Elsie Fisher, she is the voice of... Uh, Elsa? What's it about? Elsa Fisher. Um, eighth grade is about a girl going through eighth grade. Um, 
and all the feelings she has. And I mean, eighth grade is tough. I mean, seventh grade was really tough for me. I had zero friends. Eighth grade, I actually had a great time, but it was it's still tough emotionally. You're, I mean, you're about to in high school, like where I grew up, ninth through twelfth was high school, right? And here, I guess you don't do that. You we do ten do. through twelve. I had nine through twelve. Art, yeah, a couple of schools are changing around here. Like Webster is nine through twelve. East Rochester is nine through twelve. I think the city school district is merging schools and kind of mixes it up a little bit. But um, mine was nine through twelve. I mean, mm-hmm. being in eighth grade, that's your last year of kind of being a grade schooler, and then the next year is high school. You got a lot of stuff going on there. I know when I was in, I went first through fifth at my elementary school, even though they had sixth grade. But my mom wanted me to go to middle school to be set it, settled and used to it. So she put me at Nathaniel Rochester on Adams Street. That was sixth through eight. But they also had an elementary wing in there, too. But then high school was nine through 12. So I could have done one through six at elementary school. But, yeah, my mom didn't see that as necessary. I had a three-year hiatus in Topeka, Kansas, where I went for four, five, and six, but I basically went K through 12 in the same building. Mm. That's how small St. John is, which is kind of, I mean, it's kind of cool. You go go, the same people. Actually, I'm missing, it was yesterday, I'm missing my 25-year class reunion. Boy, it's my 20th this year. They try to do mine on a cruise. I forget what year it was. Are you serious? And I'm like, that's not even serious. You guys are just, are you serious? But oh, I'm not they, lost, going. they lost my email address, so they can't get a hold of me. We're in Kansas. <laughs> but, so I mean, reunions are kind of going out of date, some people say, because we have Facebook, so now you don't need to get together. You can just talk online. And see I don't know. Anybody, anybody I cared about from high school that I want to talk to, I talk to. Exactly. Outside of that, Mm-mm. I really have no care of knowing what the hell you're doing. I'm still mad about my yearbook. But you know, whatever. You so. bet you're, you're they about. had a, those expletives about best eyes nonsense, and the guy who won best eyes, it should have been me because all throughout my life, all oh throughout my, my life, people said, "Tony, you have the greatest eyes ever. Your eyes are pretty, and they're awesome." Everyone said that. Even guys said that to me. I'm like, okay, I have this is my thing. I'll win your book best eyes. The guy who got it had green contacts in. That's green. not fair. Exactly. He said, "Oh, he has best eyes. They're green." I'm like. How? Yes, but I got. contacts. God, I sound like a little... So I whole war, and I said, I've never seen you people ever again. I don't care about you anyways, but this is just the last... Because of the best eyes? Yeah, I'm like, no. Dude, guys, I, I got... Seriously. Yeah. Most flirtatious. You? <laughs> yeah. Wow. No comment. I don't know what... <laughs> I can't touch that. I don't know what to say about that. It was flirtatious, that. but that does not mean anything. You do not... Well, get it kids coming up that. with rewards for other kids. No, it's like I was very, I don't know, flirty. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would say flirty because flirty to me means that you're headed towards That's something. That's why I was wondering what that And meant. I'm not, I wasn't. I was just happy. Yeah, I sat on laps and stuff. I, I, I had a lot of guy friends. Oh, I just did. Dating. I had a lot of guy friends and it wasn't anything. It was just me sitting on laps and having good, I mean, it was just like fun. But mm. I wasn't, I wasn't that type of girl. I didn't think so. So the girl who was very spidey was in charge of giving out the awards and was seeing you. As a threat. As a threat. I don't know. I think they meant most like fun loving. No. (laughs) I don't know why flirtatious isn't even (laughs) an 
even a category. So that wraps up our stew about blockbusters today. (laughs) Makes sense. That makes sense. All that came together. On that blockbuster. Uh, Next week's topic, uh, I think I have. I don't have anything right now, so it's going to be a surprise. Oh, a surprise. That's (laughs) Which means we'll all know about it the day before the show, (laughs) the way this summer is going. Uh, That'll be fun. It'll be good. Let's reach into our grab bag. Anybody have anything? I have something. So I'm on my phone a lot because, you know, I take pictures with my phone, but I'm also taking a lot of phone calls these days because my baby's due June 22nd and... You know, people text me saying, what's the baby do? I'm like, it's online. But um, a lot of people are calling me. And that means I'm looking at apps on my phone to occupy my time, like games and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, there are no games I'm going to recommend. But I do recommend a app. It's called Webtoon, which is a global digital service that compiles webcomics. And yes, I do read webcomics. Um, they recommend a lot of comics. But so far, the two that I kind of are in my radar right now are Let's Play which is about an introverted gaming designer who had her game rejected by a game reviewer and how they become neighbors and they kind of go back and forth and will they love each other, will they not? But right now it's good. And the other one is... Are these live action? No, no, no. They're webcomics. They're just drawn, hand-drawn. Drawings, okay. My Dictator Boyfriend is a comic about a gay, secretly gay um, dictator who his father steps down and he becomes a new person in charge of his country and how he's kind of a shadow puppet leader, but he falls in love with his bodyguard and how they kind of are playing hit or miss with each other, and he's trying to become the great leader he needs to be, and the bodyguard is trying to protect him. It's a cute story. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I find the weirdest things to enjoy, but so far, Let's Play and My Dictator Boyfriend are my top two. And you can find that on Webtoon. I'm not promoting them like we do Audible, but if you want to relax and just read something funny, they have stuff for everyone. I am... I just saw something on um, Amazon Video Prime called Picnic at Hanging Rock. That kind of looks, that looks kind of groovy. It's a, it's a story of four women who disappear in the Australian bush. It's from a novel. Um, framing the events is like a true story, although it wasn't. Um, it's it's a, uh, can we learn readaptation? 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 What's that word? Is that, what do you mean? It, Describe. It, it's a it was before, and they're remaking. Oh, you're talking about remakes. Thank you, a remake. It's a remake, and it has Natalie Dormer in it as the lead. She's a good actress when she wants to be, or picks the right parts. I, I guess I should say she picks the right roles, because she's looks, been typecast. It looks kind of cool. I don't know. I watched the first few minutes of it, um, and uh, I was like, okay. I kind of was too tired to move on, but... Uh, I have lots of things that I like. Oh yeah, when I decide that I'm going to be awake enough to watch this, this will be awesome. Cool. So I'm and, looking at that. And. 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 Buffy. Buffy is I trying to? Think? I have a hereditary. There you go. Yeah, but I said that earlier. You were like, well, oh. the hereditary that's not a blockbuster, I guess. But I, Jason and I, were like, that's our thing. <clears throat> Our horror movies. That's the that thing. From the trailer I saw of that, that seems like a movie that will make Jason very tense. Yes, it's t- looks terrifying. It looks, I'm it very looks excited. a little messed up. It does. I, I mean, it does, but it, I mean, it even talks about the. I mean, somebody um, makes parallels to The Exorcist, which is like mm. the bomb. So, 
That's got um, what is her name? Um, what are you trying you. to say? Don't worry. The the lead actress in that in Hereditary is that uh, Tilda Swinton? No, she's not the lead actress. She is too. Dude, no, it's Tony Collette. Oh my lord! I am so sorry. I'm like Tilda. No, no, not Tilda. (laughs) I have said that the entire time. I apologize. Um, yeah, yeah, Tony Collette. Tony Collette. She was. She's. uh, She was in a lot of things. Well, she was. She did a fantastic. In fact, did she? She was nominated or won an Oscar? No, that wasn't her. That was um, no, no, no. For um, I see dead people. Six Sense. Six Sense. She was nominated for an Oscar I don't think for that was movie. In that movie, wasn't she? Dude, she was the mom, and she was fantastic. No, Six Sense was. Oh, she was a mom. Never mind. She's fantastic. Was so I am looking forward to that. And yeah, she nominated for a Golden Globe Award for Muriel's Wedding. That's what I'm thinking about. She was fantastic. And Academy Award nominated portrayal of Lynn Sear in Six Sense. Boom! See. And then made a Tony Award nominated Broadway debut a year later in The Wild Party. I don't want to get into actors going to Broadway, so that's another show. I don't want to get into it. Actors going to Broadway? I don't want to get into it. I don't want to talk about it. It bothers me. Actors oh. are actors. That's what put out that yeah. is my point on it. Actors are actors wherever they are. Mm-hmm. You don't think so? Uh, what about theater? We'll save this for Stu for him later. This is a good, that would be a good topic. Let's, let's pick that. All right. No. So uh, I'm still finishing up Lost in Space. Um, let's see, this week Action Point comes out. I'll probably see that. I just keep laughing every time I see that. I don't, you know, Johnny Knoxville's pretty stupid, but for some reason that movie is attracting me. And the fact it's based on the real life amusement park, it just like. Oh, yeah, you, should, you sent me that thing, that um, link. So yeah, I'm. I'll probably catch that this week, and then the following week is going to be a toss-up between either seeing Hotel Artemis or Ocean's Eight, whichever one. Uh, I have What's time Hotel to Artemis? Um, it's got not Judy Dench, um, Helen Mirren in it. Ooh, Helen. Yeah, miss her. Hotel Artemis. And, no, not Helen Mirren. Uh, Jodie Foster. Jodie. Where the heck did Helen Mirren come in my head? You're talking. Uh, oh, it's because her hairstyle yeah. reminded me of Helen Mirren. It's Jodie Foster. Miss her too. Uh, it's basically a hotel that is actually a hospital for when things go bad to bad villains. They need a place to get fixed up. This is awesome. This is in the movie theaters. <laughs> it, it will, will be. Cool. I did not um, even know about that. Thank it, you for. I mean, it doesn't look phenomenal. So what? It comes it's out June eighth, but it's got Jodie Foster. Oh my in gosh! It. I could do a double feature June eighth, Hereditary and Hotel Artemis. Yeah, yeah. June eighth is a uh, a busy week. There's that's. I think there's ten or fifteen movies coming out that week, and like three to five of them are actually worth watching. Mm. Um, cool. So we got that. Um, my time's dwindling, so I don't know what else I'm going to be able to fit in besides those. Yeah, me too. Well, my wife and I are celebrating our eighth anniversary on Tuesday, so the day after Memorial Day. Have you been doing something special? I can't say. In lead up to that day? No, we don't do that. We just. I don't know what you're talking about, but um, aren't you going to see something? Well, we are going to go see something. Yes. What are you going to see? We're going to go see the Avengers: Infinity War. 
So and you've been doing what? She's been rewatching the whole series. Oh, that's there cool. There we go. And my brain smush. But <laughs> I was not talking about oh, anything sorry, else. Sorry. I was thinking yeah. they're having a baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, she um, has been backlogging a oh, lot, weird. and I, I'm glad she's going to get um, everything. I mean, so like I. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. She's basically like going through the whole catalog backwards. Like we got Doctor Strange and we got um, Black Panther and we also got another one. I'm dropping it. Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is on Netflix. So she's been rewatching that. But I said these three are the ones that came, are you need to watch. So you get the jokes like wow. uh, the eye joke from <laughs> Rocket. She needs to. There's a little thing, but it pops up later in Infinity War, and it's still funny because he says something under his breath, and it's funny when you know what he's talking about. I was about. wondering, he's got, like, he's got to have like a drawer full of eyes uh, yeah. at this point. Your like, wife loves you. That's all I got to say. What do you mean? To do this. This is really sweet. No, she likes the, you know our new vehicle, which we got a new vehicle. Um, she let me label it Hulkbuster. Don't we'll say be on the lesson plate. So, um, But, yeah, she's just little things like that. But she likes the, you know, she likes Captain America. She wanted to call her Captain America. I said, we're not doing that. That's just not going to happen. She likes the Hulk. She likes Thor a lot. So um, she's found, that's the thing. Most women I've, you know, been with, you know, dating-wise, dating-wise, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like, they try to find things that I like, enjoy, and try to find a way to like them too. So my wife, being my wife, I'm glad she's found a series to get into, meaning Marvel, because I like DC, but now I'm switching sides. Do you do anything... Like something she likes. Um, Maybe we should. My try wife watches. My wife watches a lot of Clue, and she likes Rocky Horror. So there is a, a window of time. Are where you serious? She will watch Clue and Rocky Horror. Seriously, seriously, all the time, dude. Like, Clue's her thing. So. Clue is my thing, and yeah. Rocky Horror is my thing. Then you guys should get together. We need to get together. And, and just have a holy a, a night. When my little sister came in and Dewey was in. Clue. But yeah, you guys should probably watch wrestling together too. So she could probably get you on wrestling okay, as well. No, 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 no. If my wife never, okay, look, I have friends who, my friend Trisha, good friend Trisha, did not like wrestling and her husband got her into wrestling a couple years ago. If you can get her into wrestling and I got my wife into wrestling, I'm sure we can get you into wrestling. No. It's not that hard. Subliminal it's message. not hard. It's, it's not so engaging. Anyway, uh, Jason and I are, <laughs> it's gonna Jason happen. and I are Wait celebrating our 11th wedding anniversary on June 4th. Next week. Mm-hmm. Anniversary times. Nice. So, yeah. But, yeah. That's right. Oh. 11 years. Awesome. Well, I think that about wraps up our show. Mm-hmm. We are all starting to sweat from our foreheads in this yeah, hot room on. as the AC did not Turn kick on. in in time. Uh, so, let us know what you thought. Tell us what your favorite blockbusters are. What's in your queue? What interested shows uh, do you think should be on our radar? Let us know. Give us a review over on iTunes. Valerie, where can we find you? Or have you completely disappeared off of I social media? Disappeared. Um, I think we can do, I don't know, VB Vidmar at Twitter, or it's Paylane64 on Twitter, and it's definitely Paylane64 on um, Instagram. And I did not hold up my part of the deal with you know, updating people, but me when I start, it's all good. Getting there, I will. I will try to tweet. Anthony, I'm all over Facebook, as you know, and I'm on Twitter at s m t o r c h i o. That's my email too at Gmail. So come find me. Let's talk, please. <laughs> <I> mean, let's <laughs> talk. 
<laughs> Stop being that silent observer out there. I know you're liking on things and talk to us on yes, maybe you cultural can stew on Facebook, people. man. You can come on the show. I mean, yeah, just talk to us. Let us know how you feel. Do we suck? Do we rock? We need to know. Who's your favorite? You can find me at pretty much everywhere as at GF Media or GF Media CEO. You can find us at culturalstew.net or at culturalstew.net on Twitter and culturalstew on Facebook. And as I said, please go give us a review. Give us some feedback. Give us something. Let yep. us know you're listening. We know you are. Yeah. Like, we care. Say, shut up earlier. Yeah. Quit, quit, quit rambling about. Just let us know. We're go here. to therapy. <laughs> Awkward end of show. <laughs> Ciao. Later. Bye. The intro and break music is Please Listen Carefully by Jazir, available through the Creative Commons license from Free Music Archive. The outgoing music is provided by Epidemic Sound. Please see our show notes for details on what the outgoing song is and who it is by. And also, as always, if you have a piece of music that you'd like us to play or consider playing, please contact us today. Like what you've heard? Want to continue to hear more? Please consider Patreon. What is Patreon, you ask? Patreon is a content creator support site, a way for people to support the things they love and allow creators to continue creating the content that they love. 
please consider heading over to patreon.com slash gfmedia and becoming a Patreon supporter today.